3: Hey everyone, quick programming note. We recorded this episode last night before any of the Ime Udoka news broke, so that's not going to be covered here. However, there's a lot of good stuff, and I think you'll enjoy. All righty, welcome back to the Salt of podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Tiptabani, joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. The offseason never stops. We've got some news to talk about, Um, but then in the lab portion of the programming, we're going to be talking to Ronnie Duque, the Ronnie Duque, about Celtics player ratings, the game itself, and what he thinks of the upcoming season for the Boston Celtics. Um, But that's later in the programming. First, we'll talk about the news, the good, the bad, the ugly, and before all of that, Alex... uh, Give a quick PSA to the fans in the Beltway.
1: For sure. Yeah. Uh, If you are, for some reason, a Celtics Lab listener in the D.C. area, your old friends, Divine Sweater, will be playing a show with D.C. natives, the Crystal Casino Band at D.C. Nine Club on Saturday. This coming Saturday, tickets are flying. So get in on that quickly if you intend to go, because there might not be many tickets left. We'll
3: see. Yeah, the music you heard at this intro is um, Divine Sweater, if anyone's new to the podcast. And if anyone is old to the podcast, I'm getting a new mic. The echo will go away. Um, so thanks for bearing with us. I tried everything I could save buying a new mic, but um, here we go. Uh, Dr. Quinn, how are you? Not too shabby. Uh,
2: theoretically, this was supposed to be the off-season. Uh, let's talk about what it is that really an off-season.
3: Sure. So listeners, if you're here for Ronnie Two K. He's coming. But for now, we're going to talk about very celtic stuff. And we got to start with Robert Williams III and his left knee. we learned that he's going to go uh, have a cleanup. That's how it's being described on that knee, the same knee that um, he had a meniscus tear in, in the spring and bothered him throughout the postseason. Uh, per Sean DeVenny of Heavy.com, he's going to be out four to six weeks, which means you know flirting with missing the beginning of the regular season. Uh, but certainly out for training camp, almost definitely out for the preseason. Um, and who knows, they might take their time four to six weeks, often turns to eight to 10. You can hear my voice. I'm not too um, worried about it yet, but maybe I'm wrong about that, Alex. Level of concern?
1: Um, I would put it at about, I would go with a five or a six right now. And I would do so not so much because I'm super worried about Rob missing the first two to three weeks of the season, more so because I am worried about two things. One, the fact that the knee injuries are really starting to pile up for Robert Williams uh, in a way that has always been concerning, but particularly this year with the Celtics entering as a true blue championship favorite or contender at the very least, they're going to need Robert Williams if they want to actually meet that goal. So in the long run, I would rather him clear it up now uh, than have to deal with this in the playoffs again when he was very clearly limited by his knee injury. But I still don't love the fact that um, Rob seems to this seems to be a kind of lingering problem. The biggest concern I have, though, is actually got nothing to do with Rob Williams and more to do with putting miles on Al Horford that we probably don't need to be putting on him, particularly at the beginning of the regular season. As we have discussed ad nauseum on Celtics Lab, Al was pretty critical for the Celtics getting to the finals last year. Um, He really turned into the best version of himself, particularly in the playoffs. And he did so in the context of coming off a season in the Oklahoma City organization where he was basically on ice for the entire second half of the year, which I imagine certainly helped with that prospect to burn the candle early for Al in the regular season, playing him presumably at the five a lot while Rob sits, strikes me as uh, potentially dicey for uh, how fresh he's going to be heading into the postseason. So that's my biggest concern.
3: Dr. Quinn, what did Alex miss?
1: Well, I will push
2: back just a tiny bit on the idea that Rob is piling up knee injuries. This is, as far as I'm aware of it, a fairly routine cleanup. And just the timing of the situation and the fact that he kept playing on it immediately afterwards kind of pushed off the ability to be aware that he was going to have that problem after like letting it calm down a bit after the final. So it's not, I think five, a five on a scale of one to 10 is about where we want to peg our, our level of concern. Uh, But I, I completely agree as far as, not putting too much, I mean, not even just on Al Horford. There's very little proven depth on this team in terms of the front court now.:
3: Yeah, it quickly became uh, maybe an area of concern or an opportunity, I guess, depending on your point of view there. Uh, yeah, Alex, I think he nailed it as, and I don't think the Celtics would, but like overreacting and overplaying Al Horford doesn't seem worth it. I'd love to see a lot of looks with Jason Tatum at the four and Grant Grant Williams at the five. Um, but there will be something of a big man battle at training camp. And that's going to include a new name, Luka Sam, Sam, Samanich. Samanich? How do you say <laughs> Dr. Samanich,
1: I think. I,
2: my guess is Samanich, but I have not heard it said out loud by anyone who I trust. So uh, please, someone who does know, enlighten us so we can stop screwing up this poor guy's name.
3: I screw up every poor guy's name and poor gal and poor everyone else. Uh, anyways, our CLNS's own Bobby Manning broke this one. Um, that they're going to bring this kid Luca and not that Luca. Um, he's six ten. He's twenty two years old. They're going to bring him in to training camp. Uh, he was the number nineteen pick in the twenty nineteen draft by San Antonio. Um, played two seasons with them. Um, looked he has looked good in non NBA action and G League action and elsewhere. Um, Quick kid, I think a little bit of defensive liabilities. Uh, Alex or Justin, any uh, immediate thoughts on um, Luka Goodness. Um
1: I think bringing him in strikes me as pretty in keeping with kind of what Brad Stevens and the Celtics front office have been doing in terms of looking for uh, backups to fill that role. So the thing that we've heard over and over again in the off season is that Brad Stevens and company are pretty bullish on Luke Cornette as being a rotation player who can actually log some minutes for this team. As you all loyal listeners know, I am the world's biggest Luke Cornette fan. So that's fine with me. Um, that being said, in the event that Luke Cornette is for whatever reason, not able to live up to that task or just for extra depth and providing a different look rather than going to the Dwight Howards or the DeMarcus Cousins, or, you know, these kind of proven if not a little long in the tooth available vet free agents, the Celtics have been prioritizing, looking for kind of youth and uh, G league guys, guys who are playing abroad, you know, people who maybe are a little hungrier and have a little bit uh, more of a fire in their belly to try and fight for a roster spot. I don't think it's an insane play. I am a little concerned, particularly just because none of the candidates proposed strike me as having um, serious size, which I think could potentially be a problem for the Celtics in matchups against like your Joel and Beads, for example, which they're kicking off the season with. But, you know, ultimately, I trust Brad's process and I'm sure that they will find somebody
3: yeah. I'm going to, uh, let me just read through some of the G league players. And then Justin, we were talking off air about what you think it all means. Um, we don't do with respect to these guys. We don't spend too much time on them, but um, aside from Luke Cornette, who might crack the big man rotation, Justin Jackson um, is coming to training camp, Jake Lehman uh, coming to training camp and Mafundo um, Cabangele, I really hope I'm saying that right. Is coming to training camp with Noah Vonley. Um And then we learned today that, uh Bruno Capacolo, best of luck, but um, he's not coming to training camp. So a bunch of veteran guys, unproven guys, end of the bench guys come into training camp uh, to maybe carve out a spot for themselves in the, the big boy rotation. And Dr. Gwynn, you said as such, it makes more sense to give these guys a chance rather than sign LaMarcus Aldrich or Dwight Howard. Why do you think that is?
2: Well, for now, based on what we've heard about Rob, based on what the needs are, everything that's going on like nothing's really changed right we just a procedure that would have been done at the beginning of the summer that really is not a big deal as long as it goes well uh, is is playing out and it's going to probably go maybe one or two weeks into the regular season if we are on the unluckier side of things or really the safer side of things i think what we're looking at here is if they were looking at a situation where they thought Rob was gonna be out longer than they expect him to be, then they would have changed their gears entirely rather than basically just sticking to their plan, which is what they, they appear to be doing. And if they do that, then I see you know one of two routes, which is both of which require trading for a player who really can play like some proven minutes. If they want to go like cheap, maybe like a Mike Muscala, who will be, I think, available to be traded in November early November, that would be a cheap option where you don't necessarily have to trade away Gallo or maybe invest in large, you know, significant draft assets to get the deal done. But if they have some serious concerns about Rob's health long-term, then you might see them try to find someone like Jacob pertle for example, that yeah. might be un- unloadable. It would cost a lot, and, but uh, if you're two worried, first
1: first-round picks for Jakob pertle strikes me as a little rich, but...
2: But if you perhaps include a young uh, point guard who has, uh, you know made a name for himself as a a shooter, I think he might be able to get that deal done with just one pick.
3: Are you talking about Pritchard? Yes, I am. Okay. I I don't, I think of him as a shooting guard, but you probably, right, he's more of a point guard. He
2: he plays the shooting guard on on offense, absolutely. Not on defense,
3: though. (laughs) Yeah, good point. Well argued. Yeah, it it also occurs to me that as much as, yes, the Celtics do need, I don't need to be reductive, but they need a warm body as their third or fourth big off the bench. I mean, they can't not Carry another big with Rob out and with Horford reportedly not playing back to backs. Um, there's also a world where you know playing Luke Cornette and Sam Hauser extra minutes for a team that really has its eyes on the postseason is beneficial for the trade market. Uh, to your point, Dr. Quinn, that if you're hoping to take Gallo's salary and a young player or a, a player who's a bit of a flyer, you kind of got to give the trade market something. So if you can get Sam Hauser bonus minutes or Luke Cornett bonus minutes, that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I don't mean, again, to produce their role on the team as trade fodder, but um, the Celtics are that class of team that doesn't have too many future-facing assets left. So maximizing them as best they can, is pretty important. And, you all-
1: know, to yeah. that end, also it, it could even be for not trading. If Luke Cornett and Sam Hauser get more minutes in the regular season early on, than they might expect that could potentially pay dividends for them later on uh, in a deeper playoff rotation which is something the celtics really went out of their way to try and build this offseason with some of their acquisitions at the end of the day um the thing that the celtics have going for them is they are still an incredibly deep team of perimeter defenders with some size at the guard and wing positions so a lot of The strengths that are brought by having a high quality traditional big man like Robert Williams can be mitigated to some degree by Derek White, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, just being big athletic wings uh, who can kind of mix it up in the post. Marcus Smart, obviously, you know, he's a master at that, but, you know, there is a limited shelf life on that. And ultimately the Celtics team at its ceiling does need Robert Williams to be as healthy as possible.
3: Sure. And to that end, I mean, the team ceiling resides in probably Jason Tatum's hands um, with respect to Jalen Brown. And today or yesterday, I guess, Tim Bontemps on the hoop collective said the following, I think the Celtics are going to win the most games in the regular season. And I think Jason Tatum has a good chance to win MVP. I'm looking at betonline.ag right now and Tatum's odds have slipped a little bit. He's a plus 1200 behind Luca, that Luca, Giannis, Embiid, Kevin Durant and uh, the Joker. So um, I'm not a huge sports gambler, but it looks like pretty good odds if you believe in Jason Tatum. And that's a good time to pause the action and talk about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way uh, to place your online sports wager. Football is back, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your football betting needs and sports info this season. Also, Jason Datum MVP odds. Find all the latest football odds, news, and game matchups and more. Bet Online is your continued source for all your wagering information, including live betting, free contests, and live scores. Bet Online is always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, including MLB, MMA, tennis, boxing, and even golf. Head to Bet Online to join and receive your 100% welcome bonus with your first deposit, make sure to use your promo, our promo code, excuse me, CLNS50, CLNS50 is that hundred percent promo code to get those rewards spent online where the game starts. Yeah. World-class segue. I mean, come on. Okay. So, uh, we can talk about that, I guess eventually, but let me continue with our little bit of news and to to confirm our world-class reporting. Um, Uh, Heavy.com, Sean Devening has also said that probably the Celtics aren't going to look at uh, LaMarcus Aldridge or Dwight Howard, even though uh, Adrian Wojnarowski said that they might. So, you know, pick your favorite source on that one, I suppose. Um, It doesn't seem like on our end that the Celtics are going to bring in a big ticket big, but it occurs to me anyways that this could be a little bit of a bartering chip for Mr. Grant Williams. The latest reporting is that Grant And the Celtics talked about an extension over the summer and talks are on ice for now, not for anything other than they're just on ice. Um, And they have until October 17th to pick those talks back up and get an extension done. Dr. Quinn, first of all, do you think they'll get one done and talk us through roughly the size and scope of the extension talks so far?
2: Well, With the cap going up, we're going to see the mid-level exception going up, and we're going to see a lot of teams that will have that available. So as long as they're offering grant, you know, $13, $14 million, I think he will at least entertain the idea of tux. I think it's going to be Mm -hmm. closer to $15 million per year uh, for four years. That's going to need to happen to get it done. Uh, If they go lower than that, I think both sides are better served by way to get out. Sure. Alex, how
3: optimistic are you? I feel reasonably optimistic that the
1: Celtics and Grant will ultimately work something out. Um, It is going to be a little bit weird because I think you're right, Justin, that Grant is ultimately going to get paid more than Robert Williams. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people, myself included would argue that Robert Williams is maybe the more impactful player than Grant, even though Grant has really improved and seems to have a nice upward development curve. Um, But ultimately, the big reason that Grant Williams has a solid bargaining advantage and one that I think he will find a way to parlay into a nice payday is because he is the long-term succession plan for Al Horford going forward. Um, Obviously Al is great. And uh, you know, if he stays at the current level that he's been at, which I think we feel reasonably optimistic that he'll be at for a couple more years, at least um, this is not as much of a big deal, but the long-term answer at the four provided the celtics don't dramatically shake up their roster anytime soon is grant williams and i think he knows that and i think his agent knows that so i agree you can expect around the 50-ish million range
3: what does grant make right now
0: oh, man. i think like about six, six. five, five, or
3: five. Seven. yeah so there's a world where um so i think horford with great respect will have to decline a little bit in the coming years i think grant can get a little bit better but between their Current total salaries, it's like $30 million tied up in Al Horford and Grant Williams. So I do think there's a world where next season and a season or two after that, you can have Grant Williams and Al Horford on the team for a lower number than they're paying right now. Um, so I actually do think there's a there's a great chance to get Grant in and make it work. Um, whether or not that happens in October, I'm not sure. And I think very realistically, we'll just shelve the Al Horford next contract discussion for a week when we need something to talk about um but grant williams is doing the charity golf tour he's selling merchandise he's best buddies with jason tatum he seems really entrenched in the celtics organization so unless someone really throws a bag at him it seems like he wants to stick around in boston it seems like boston wants him He's restricted as anyway,
2: well. so he doesn't really get too much of a choice. It's just, do they want to, you know, cheap out on him? No one's going to give him a max. I mean, so I, I, it's very good chance that he's going to be back, but maybe not under the the, the terms the Celtics would prefer.
3: A lot of te- I don't know. I think a lot of teams have, or many more teams have cap space next year. It only takes one Kings, one next to do something dumb.
2: Yeah, you're right, but uh, I doubt it.
3: Yeah, no, I'm not. No one here's too worried. I don't think, but. <laughs> Stranger things have happened. Okay. Um, a couple other things in the interest of news uh, related to the Celtics. And then if we have time, we'll get to some other stuff. The Celtics released uh, a press wire saying, We got a new court with a number six painted right into the lane on either end of the floor to honor Bill Russell. This is on top of a bunch of other uh ceremonies and things they're going to do in honor of bill russell including things the league's going to do and that has come with a new parquet floor with a new lucky the leprechaun center court if you haven't seen this it doesn't have the big kind of iconic white behind it and we disagree about how it looks so i think we're all in agreement we like the Bill russell tribute the sixth of the lane is smart that's where he cut his teeth so why not um However, the, the, it's a throwback to the old parquet with a stripped down logo. Alex, you'd like it. 30 seconds on why you like it.
1: I just think the design is pretty clean. Um, mm-hmm. I have a tendency to get a little worried when uh, courts and when teams radically redesign things that are working. Yep. And you know, the Celtics like awful parquet gray jerseys are a testament to that, for example. Uh, as well as their weird Irish pub font lettering jerseys from a couple of years back that just made me think of Ennis Cantor uh, giving up offensive rebounds. Um, but no, I think overall, this is a pretty like low impact change. It's a pretty clean design and it's not overdoing it. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with it. I think it, it might actually look good.
3: Quinn, you don't like it as much as Alex.
2: Well, for two reasons. Uh, aesthetically, it just looks like someone did not quite the full job in terms of the graphic design they were working on. Didn't you know they like reversed a course a little bit and like deleted mm-hmm. the finished job? Uh, but also just because of the whole thing that, that Alex was just talking about with the jerseys. If you see some of the court designs floating around the NBA, they're getting really really busy, and I don't like that. I really don't want to look at the court and be trying to see whether or not that's someone's foot or like a tree or a house or just all kinds of crazy graphics are finding their way onto courts. And like, this is nowhere near that. I'm not suggesting that it is, but you crack open that door for novelty and, you know, people start getting like all crazy for it. Uh, And I'm not saying the public, I'm saying the people on the other end of the uh, business uh, equation here. For me, it's just a bit much.
3: Uh, I'm probably somewhere in between. Uh, I think the Celtics brand is a little too buttoned up. It's a little too self-serious at times um, with respect, uh, at least on social anyways. It's one of those things where I think it'll look really great in person and uh, on maybe on national TV broadcasts or certain shots, but I suspect that on any given night it is going to be aesthetically crowded and um, busy. So not a huge fan, but. Uh, but I love Bill Russell, so I'll take it. Um, last bit of Celtics news, Taco Fall has a book coming out. More on that perhaps later, um, but check it out if you're a fan of Taco Fall or books. Readers make leaders, you know. And just uh, before uh, our guest arrives, let's talk a little bit about the biggest news in the NBA, which is Robert Sarver appears to be pushed into selling the team. I, I don't think I've, that's incorrect, even if it hasn't explicitly been made clear Uh, The league came out and had his back. The players came out and did not. And now it's Wednesday evening. Sarver is looking to sell the Suns uh, and the Mercury. Quick, rapid reaction to how it went down, Justin.
2: Well, I think uh, he took a look back at the last time this happened and decided he did not want to be that person. Uh, there is a Twitter modismo that is out there that probably you've all heard before, whereas uh, there is always one person who is super, super popular on Twitter every day. And the goal is to <laughs> not be that person. Yep. He is looking to not be that person for several weeks, if not months. Uh, so smart move on his part. And I'm glad it happened, even if he is going to make a shit ton of money, excuse my language, and uh, basically be rewarded for being a giant ass. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Alex? I mean, I don't have a whole lot to add other than like um, and sponsors. We can bleep this. I know. We'll figure it out. But fuck Robert Sarver. That guy's a terrible human being. Um, I'm glad that he's out of the NBA or will be out of the NBA. I'm upset that he's going to keep stacking up billions of dollars. Um, I hope that he doesn't sell the team to some other equally awful person, which is extremely possible. But um. All that being said, you know, I mean, this guy was just a nightmare for the league. And I I really hope that this will put, I I don't think it will, but I I hope that this will put some other uh, NBA owners on notice that when LeBron and Chris Paul and the player union and a bunch of other people weigh in this heavily on matters around, you know, sexual harassment, racism, uh, kind of organizational rot that was occurring under Robert Sarver, um, that does have a pretty significant impact. And I, I think that it's no coincidence that server is selling team after all of that backlash. And I would hope that those owners would see that take notice. And then in doing so, maybe look to make any changes that they might need to make. God knows there are probably some skeletons in closets. So uh, it's a, it I'm, I'm glad the situation seems to be resolving itself i'm pretty upset that it happened in the first place Robert server
3: good riddance yeah I th- what i like about what's happening is that the think pieces on the death of the player empowerment error because kevin durant didn't get traded or misguided because player empowerment is not about just playing with your friends it's actually about shaping the culture of the, the workplace um where you happen to play basketball
2: star empowerment let's call it this
3: sure star empowerment employee empowerment um and you're right alex lebron and chris paul put their thumb on the scale maybe they didn't know they had to do it after the fact maybe they they were just as surprised as we were that this is how the league came down um but in short order the players and in part the advertisers the, the media partners said hell no as well they might robert Sarver. Did things that you know if anyone did a, their job even if they're a big cheese they would probably lose that job so it's frustrating that he will probably make a lot of money in the process and who knows the, the Saudi Arabian government or Jeff Bezos or someone to buy the Suns and uh, that could be even more complicated but I am happy for and impressed by how the players and the MBPA uh, work together on this in short order I'm sure that Adam Silver knows how big of an L he took. I'm sure the owners recognized that the power that they, they thought they had in this play specifically um, didn't bear out the way they, I'm sure they thought it was going to. And we do have CBA and television negotiations in the next few years. Perhaps this will be important. Perhaps this is just the end of a crappy story with a little bit of a feel good ending. Um, who knows if you'd like to donate billion to this podcast so that we can buy the suns, please feel free to do that. Um, Otherwise like it and subscribe if you haven't already. And on the other side of a break, we'll talk to Ronnie 2k. Alrighty, let's hop into the Celtics lab and we have a very special guest, a man who really doesn't need an introduction, but I'll introduce him anyways. Um, Ronnie 2k the The brainchild behind all the marketing uh 2k um not just t- nba 2k but 2k sports which we'll get into um he's here to talk about celtics player ratings the game itself nba 2k 23 available now and a few other things ronnie how are you welcome
0: i'm great uh 2k launched what uh well 11 Two days, 12, ago. days ago. Yeah. 12 days ago it's been a <laughs> it's been a journey um and i thank you for the flattering introduction i um not the brain, I don't know if about the brain child. I'm probably just the the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But um I, I appreciate it. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. So
3: um almost every year, you know, players react to the game and then fans react to the game and on and on. So we're gonna ask you a little bit about that with a sure. Celtics tint. Um so as we are wont to do, we'll break it into thirds. So I'll swing to Justin first, then you'll get Alex and I'll bring it on home. So um Justin, take it away.
2: Cool. So first of all, I would like to thank you uh, in the content desert is September, uh, something that probably drives you nuts, or maybe it doesn't, uh, that's my, my first question, has been really keeping me afloat in terms of stuff to write about, which is people being unhappy with their 2k ratings, whether it's the team or the player. Uh, we know that, you know, Jalen Brown and Grant vocally complained on Twitter about their ratings, like, what, what do you do when this happens? Anything?
0: Uh, I'll address your first question first, which was um, the, the dearth of NBA content in September. You know, the NBA's done an amazing job of becoming 360, 365. It's happened in like a really kind of short period of time, like six, seven years, where, you know, you care about summer league now and you care about, obviously, draft and, and free agency. But we're a big part of that now, you know, like wh- not just ratings, but obviously just our entire marketing campaign sits in what is traditionally their season outside of you know the pandemics years uh for obvious reasons but uh we um we really thrive in that kind of conversation and being that kind of entertainment void for for the fans and then you know continuing to be an educational device in the basketball world uh with our products so that's really cool and then yeah obviously a big part of that is the ratings and a couple of the guys you mentioned I know they were fired up about their ratings um I was actually on a podcast with Jay Paul last week and it was funny he's like, you know, NBA players stop getting better, Roddy. Just go and play better. Um, I think that's a little extreme, but uh, you know, like I think it's so cool that these guys are so competitive that it matters so much to them. Uh, you know, I, I talk about this all the time, but God, this is our 24th uh, installment of the franchise, which means that these kids that are coming to a league have played it their entire lives. Like Jason Tatum is 20, what five years old? 26 years old. Um, so you know, these guys have played it their whole lives. So it's like getting drafted to be in the NBA is like 1A, but now like being in this video game and caring about your rating is 1B. It's it's really kind of fascinating. And so um, that's my, uh, you know, reaction to whenever a player gets fired up. Um, I, I, think that, I think it's very, very cool.
1: Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich
2: can't answer this it's okay but have has anyone ever convinced you to change their ratings whether it's a player i don't
0: think so no and i've been offered some weird things over the years but uh um i you know like we're very authentic and we're also like a, a well-knit team on the you know the rating side like sure they've lobbied and in some cases they've like definitely lobbied us in to make a change in not too long of a time that their sample size of Because that's what it's based on, right? Like, we don't change the rating off of one 60-point game. It's off of, like, consistent performance. And we're trying to tell a story about where this guy stands in the bigger basketball community. Um, So I think that um, we have kind of, like, changed it over a short period of time. But, like, we're not in the business of getting persuaded outside of, you know, we did a, a thing last year on TBS called Underrated that I was part of. Uh, it wasn't about ratings, but like a, a couple of the players, car Anthony Towns, was like one of them he um he like wanted to complain about his outlet passing, which I think is so fascinating. Mm-hmm. and so we did this contest of him like throwing crazy outlets, and yeah he he proved that he was a great outlet passer um and so we upgraded a couple of his badges in court order, so not directly because of that, but like that definitely got on our that definitely got on our radar,
2: so that kind of sets the table for my next question is which is about how the sausages get made. Like how often do you do these ratings updates? Like how how long do they take? What's what 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 actually goes into a specific player's rating other than, you know, a window of NBA action over time?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're dynamic throughout the year, which is the funniest part, you know, like why are they getting so upset or mm-hmm. upset? Um over where their rating starts at the beginning of the season. Cause like their action does actually affect the rating. Um, we announce it every week, I believe during the regular season, but they change on a daily basis. And again, it's based on sample size, um, you know, and, and obviously it impacts the younger players a little bit more than the, um, older players, because we have less history on the younger players. Like I was, I, I thought it was going to be really fascinating how we were going to rate, um, chet holmgren early in the year because he didn't have a lot of action in the nba and then the summer league he was truncated and like so he was really mad about his writing when i pulled him in, in summer league and i'm like well in our defense we don't have a lot of video on you right like we have a little and we have it but it's all in college and it's you know like not the same level of competition so it's challenging with those young guys and it's also challenging with the guys that are injured for a year plus right Like we need to sort of see it. So those ones are always tougher, but for the most part, you know, we really get it right. And if you look at that list compared to everybody else, it's like meaning like their their peers. You just look at that list in order. You're like, wow, this is actually really correct. You know. So
2: one last question before I pass it off to Alex: Uh, What else goes into making this game like? Do you do the whole ping pong ball on the knees and elbows and shoulders and all that stuff to like, like map the movement of a player, how a player's body moves, and compared to another player or anything like that?
0: Are we talking? I mean, the game is, uh, <laughs> uh it's very, it's a big business, right? There's hundreds of people that work at 2K. Motion capture, which you just mentioned, is a big part of it, like capturing all the animations, making sure they look like themselves. But there's so much more, like we've released videos about like the lighting in the stadiums and how we've like recorded our like hundreds of hours of footage of each of the stadiums and like try to get the lighting throughout the entire game as it transitions over quarters and as led shadows kind of like it's like crazy the level of detail but that's what we're chasing we're always chasing that that you know that authenticity and um trying to be as realistic as possible we've done like Multi-person uh, like motion captures, where like those people are working together, you see it come to life when you look at the the crowd. Like you see the guy that's like doing a selfie, along with the guy that's doing concessions, along with the girl that's doing, you know, uh, jumping up and down. Like it, that all coming together is a ton of work, and it's just so impressive what our visual concepts team that develops the game um, puts on every year. Cool.
1: Thank you, Alex. Well, just uh, first off, Ronnie, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Just really quickly to kind of wrap up the ratings conversation. If you're mad about 2K ratings, then that just means that you're not playing the game very well. I'm just going to throw that out there. Jalen Brown has been rated at like an 83 before, but he's still one of the nastiest 2K players out there. You just got to learn your players. Anyway, that's my spiel on that. Um, So swinging towards Jalen Brown and other Celtics related stuff, I'm curious, just right off the bat, what are your expectations for Boston this year?
0: I mean, they have a a large hill to climb. Most teams that lose in the finals don't have, I mean, that's a pretty chronicled story. They don't have a, a good season the year after, but they're a better team than they were last year. And it's not even close. Like, I think adding Mill- Middleton and the leadership there is is huge for them, especially taking them away from one of your competitors. Um did i say middleton i didn't mean middleton you did. <laughs> that's <okay>. I, uh, <laughs> sorry uh, this is my this is my third interview in in like an hour so i don't know why I, my brain just went to middleton um <laughs> i don't know why that's so weird anyway uh the uh, i'm obviously meeting malcolm brockton um uh the addition of him alongside uh who, who's the other guy that you guys signed
1: Gallinari, who will probably not suit up for the Celtics this year on account of his ACL
0: injury that he sustained in Yep. Europe. So that one was challenging, but uh, either way, more depth. Regardless, like and uh, and the young core is getting old. You know, like a little bit more experience. They had a lot of like playoff highs and some playoff lows against the Warriors. Um, they're going to be right there at the top of the East. The crazy thing is, I mentioned Middleton. I'm not a huge fan of the Bucks. Like, mm. I I don't really get it like obviously Giannis is an amazing player but like and drew holiday is a great defender and, and stretch the floor a little bit but if drew Holiday is on that floor they're not they're not getting the, anywhere near the finals right so like i i think that they're a little bit hyped i think miami's going to take a step back um the sixers are going to be interested i think james harden's actually going to have a much better year um and then this weird situation with brooklyn um and and what they're gonna be is gonna be super fascinating. Um uh so I think I, I actually think that Brooklyn is gonna figure it out. So it's gonna be Brooklyn and Boston in the Eastern Conference Finals.
1: It always seems to be Brooklyn and Boston, doesn't it? Yeah. Um so speaking of Brooklyn and Boston and their relationship, obviously the Celtics hired a fairly prominent assistant coach. Last year in Ime Udoka, who was on the Brooklyn bench and then went to join Boston and promptly beat the Brooklyn Mets pretty handily in round one of the playoffs. Uh, and our, our very own Cameron has a copy of 2K, courtesy of the fine folks over at the 2K organization. He's been playing it and he has been doing some simulations on his My Career and his My GM mode, along with a number of other 2K players. And often, the result in that is that Ime Udoka ends up winning Coach of the Year in a lot of those simulations. So, what do you think about that as a prospect of Ime, a potential Coach of the Year candidate?
0: Uh, I think on uh, scientifically that makes a lot of sense. I think the <laughs> challenging thing about that is uh, it's hard for a, a coach to win Coach of the Year after going to the finals the year before, right? So, like, I think that's gonna, he's success is not going to breed success in that regard if he goes to the if he if they're the number one seed, is he a lock for for coach of the year? Probably not, right? Like there there's a lot of stories. That's usually how. That's why I don't. I'm not a huge like believer in the the, the awards. You know, like it doesn't really mean a ton. Even the MVP doesn't mean a ton. You know, like over the years historically, the MVP hasn't always been the best player on you know uh, in in the game of that year. That's why Kobe Kobe only won one and you know, several other instances of that. Right. So um, yeah, I I, I'm not surprised that it's simulated that way. I'm sure the the Boston's going to be there near the end. Um, So yeah, of of course he'll he'll be in consideration, but I think his success last year is going to keep him from that award.
1: So speaking of the MVP race, um, the Celtics potentially have an MVP candidate on their hands in JC Tatum. There's also a number of other players that are looking to as you kind of mentioned or alluded to earlier take the next step in developing their game and kind of taking both their individual game and the Celtics as a team to the next level. In your mind, which player do you think is going to have the biggest impact on this Celtics season and who might take the biggest jump from where they are now to what they could be by the end of this year?
0: Uh you know what's funny, I think the first half of the year last year the Celtics Kind of struggled but not not by kind of i mean they were a 500 team right like mm-hmm. and and then all of a sudden the, the light switch came on and they were just totally dominant and a lot of that was jason's development but i feel like it's going to be another step up for him i think he's tasted um playoff success and um like been that close and i i know him really well like great great dude such a leader such a voice so respected i mean i think that's Probably one of the things that maybe you don't know about Jason, unless you get to know him a little bit, like he he commands respect. Um, and so I could see him taking a a whole another step. Of course, there's a bunch of young guys on that Celtics team that are are going to evolve, but it, it's all going to come down to him. And I think that at the end of the year, I really do believe he's going to be a top three MVP candidate for sure. And I, I I don't say I don't say that lightly. I I think that um you know. A lot of the guys that are usually in the MVP conversation are either like just like Giannis, for example. He's always there. He's expected to be there. Like the voter fatigue definitely sets in when it comes to like guys like him. Uh, You know, I think it's going to be a coin flip between Luca Luca and and, and Jason and Devin. Those three.
1: So you mentioned Giannis, you mentioned Kevin Durant. Obviously, there are some other heavy hitters in the Eastern Conference that the Celtics will need to worry about if they want to ultimately summit the conference and win the NBA title. In your mind, um, who about, who in this Eastern Conference should the Celtics be the most worried about? And are there any teams that stand out as like potential surprise threats that they might not be considering?
0: Uh, I think the Sixers are definitely somebody they got to concern themselves with just because of the the size and the versatility on that team. I think Maxey's going to, you know, obviously take another step up in his game. So, like, that's probably the team that they're most logistically afraid of. Um, I'm trying to think of one of the, like, lower-rung teams that they should be maybe scared of. Yeah, I mean, the East, the problem is, like, it's really top-heavy. There's some really, really great teams in the top, but, like, the bottom is still... Kind of a struggle. Maybe, maybe Chicago takes a step. I uh, and and maybe Atlanta, maybe, but I think Atlanta is still a piece of piece or two away. And so so is Chicago. So probably nobody on that next level tier of teams. What do you guys think? Is there somebody that they should be afraid of?
1: Maybe Cleveland if they put it all
0: oh, together. Okay. We'll see. Here we go. Oh my mic! Yeah, I mean, I, I think Cleveland, Alex, is a good
3: pick. I'd also hazard the Heat. Um, could go in any direction that he could swing a trade, that he could f- fall back.
0: Um, but I don't uh, know who the Heat trade for. I mean, you missed Mitchell. Uh, yeah, Biel, unless Biel's not.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess that's, that's what's hard. Yeah, Ky- Kyrie, <laughs> yeah. man. I'll say there.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Um, all right, well, we'll, we'll
3: check back in. I think and...
0: I think they're really well. But the, this is this is, and but here's the the thing: the window. You better take advantage of that window. Like they gotta, they gotta get get there, and they gotta finish it off this year. But I'll tell you what, their biggest comp- competition is still in the West. Like uh, Golden State's still going to be very, very good. I mean, they're they're definitely getting a little older, but they're going to be very good. Uh, and then a lot of the teams in the West are a lot better outside of, <laughs> outside of Utah and San Antonio. All those teams in the West are really, really good.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely am not trying to sleep on the Golden State Warriors. I've made that mistake once. I'm not going to do yeah. it again.
0: Don't do it again. But <laughs> I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of teams in the West. Like the Nuggets are sc- kind of getting slept on. Like I think once Jamal Murray is totally healthy, they're going to be kind of scary. Um, Minnesota, I picked them. No, everybody laughed at me when I picked them to go uh, to the second round of the playoffs last year, and that's exactly what they did. And now they're better, right? So. I guess they didn't go to the second round, but technically they went to the second round. (laughs) Yeah, the the (laughs) new second round, the new second round. But uh, I thought they were going to go one more round. But nobody expected them to make the playoffs. They're a lot better. Like, um, so uh, yeah. And and, then don't forget the Clippers. You know, you got Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, they probably are the favorites to win it all. The Clippers are, but we've said that so we've said that so many years, and it's not come (laughs) together. So we'll see.
1: Serious take, all right, Ronnie. I'm gonna swing it to Cam.
3: All right, cool. Um, yeah, Ronnie, I, I just want to talk about the game actually, NBA 2K23, that's been out since September 9th. I think I know the answer, but how are you feeling about the release of the game?
0: Uh, I told you back in June, July, whatever month it was, 17 years ago, um, <laughs> that, uh, that it was going to be the greatest game of all time, and it seems like the community seems to, you know, echo that's sus- just statement and um it's been just really fascinating and it's kind of like served so many different people Mm -hmm. you know people that like wanted to remember history with and you know my nba and and the era the new eras and getting to go play in kobe's era and mj's era and magic and larry's era like that's so cool and then obviously the jordan challenge is going back in time and getting to play in that that filter if you want to and seeing the game back in you know the early 80s and stuff. but then you know the city and where people are playing in Micra and that whole world is just taking on a whole nother level like the, the that you know the the more established like cultural vibe of of the city like all of them the affiliations are is is very 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 cool um and gotten people excited and then just like people playing competitively and being super happy about it. You know what's crazy? I haven't had a ton of time to play. I was going to ask you. Yeah, I have literally been on the road since. This is my second day um, at home since launch. Actually, since a week before launch, it's it's okay. crazy. I have, I still haven't installed it on my own console. <laughs> um, I, I play. I've obviously played it a few times uh, since retail hit, but not not even at my house. So this weekend, I'm hoping around wedding planning that I can uh, I can make it happen.
3: Yeah, I was going to ask, uh, what's your favorite feature? Like, now that it's live, now that it's, like, the dust is setting a little bit, either your favorite feature to to mess around with?
0: I mean, um, of course, the Jordan challenges are cool. Yeah, it's like, pretty if fun. Live, if you lived in that, like, era, or even if you didn't, like, it's just it's a different and fun experience, and go those challenges are really tough, especially a few of them, and then getting the CMJ versus Kobe and, like, things like that, that's all awesome, but of course, when it comes to the core game, like, Uh, the gameplay especially now like skewed a little bit back towards like the big man um Mm -hmm. is something that really resonates with me um and so i i i've always played leaned heavily in the city when i'm not playing opening packs in my team i play (laughs) a lot in the city and um i uh i I can't wait to you know jump in cool that I yeah i'm having a lot of fun have Um, you come across my scene kim no, I haven't. I have four of them, but you should go <laughs> look you should go look for my scene. It's pretty funny. It's actually a really important scene. You can get rebirth and stuff like that. Um, but uh it talk about like us always trying to be relevant to what's happening in the real world. Even mm-hmm. my scene. I mean, my scene's always been that way. Like whatever's happened in my life, like um, it's been about my dog before, it's been about whatever. But this year it's about like sending out wedding invites and like doing which is <laughs> kind of funny you know like following that that storyline and how expensive my wedding is uh, so like definitely check that out it's pretty funny cool, anybody, no,
2: anybody who doubts how how realistic this is they even included this weird reporter who has this like celtics podcast uh his tweets
0: <laughs>
3: are in the game it's pretty that's wild. right that's yeah. that true i mean that's how you know it's a high caliber game um yeah, yeah no, have I've... you
0: been have you been tweeted screenshots of that yet Ken?
3: No, but I have, because I'm a teacher, I've had one kid say, I have to ask you the weirdest question. And I was like, no, I, I know what you're going to ask in that. Yeah,
0: let me That's tell you awesome. the story.
3: Um, you. So a couple more things we'll get you out of here, Ronnie. Uh, well, yeah. actually, same, same, but different. Who, I mean, you meet a lot of celebrities, influencers, things like that. Who is the most surprising 2K fan you've come across?
0: Hmm. Uh. Yeah, I don't. I, I mean, I has nothing really surprised me. Randomly, though, like a while ago, this is years now. Like, I'm followed on social media by Jennifer Love Hewitt and Melissa Joan Hara. I'm gonna, just, I'm gonna think that it's their kids that like made that yeah. happen. But Jennifer Love Hewitt only followed at the time only followed like 65 people on Twitter, and I was like, why am I one of them? But maybe she's a big 2K fan. That'd be awesome. That'd be great. That's (laughs) Um, never would have guessed. That's that's kind of random, Um, but no. Like, look, our game uh, serves a huge player base and lots of people that um, play the game and get really excited about it. And so, nothing really surprises me. You know, like you know who's been kind of hitting me up every week, or how does Agent hit me up every week? Is Paul Shear from the League? Uh, (laughs) If you watch that that TV show, like. little surprising that he plays the game as religiously as he does but there's no like it it is it is kind of an entertainment vehicle for all ages all genders all everything right like we're trying to be as accessible as possible and and um it's 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 amazing um our online community is just so fantastic
3: Okay, a couple more. Um, quickly. So, you and I chatted in July at, at um at the launch preview of the game, not retail launch. Uh, and J Cole never got brought up. You you all were pretty tight lipped about that one. Um, so first of all, very sneaky. But um, just give us a quick backstory. It's and, like, funny where...
0: actually. It's funny, Cam. Uh, I I believe like four days before that, I had shot. Uh, I was in our mo- at our mocap studio with J Cole for his final scene. So like oh, it was okay. definitely top of mind. Like we had just spent a lot of time with Cole um and and shot his scenes. I believe that was the time like, God this year was was such a blur. Um but uh yeah, we like that was a long time coming. Um I talked to him for the first time uh back when I played in the my first celebrity game which was 2019 maybe. Yeah, I believe it was 2019. And um he when he was wearing that Amiri shirt, and he dunked in the like during commercial break, and he missed the dunk mm-hmm. or whatever. Anyway, that was the first time we talked. He's like, I love two K. Me and my boys played all the time. Boss, Elite, etc. And uh, would love to like be a part of my career and like do stuff. And uh, you know, it took uh, like everything that's great. It took a little bit of time to like put together and and come together and at the level that we wanted it to. And obviously the dreamer edition that cover is amazing it comes out this fall um but his integration in, you know in my career you come across him um somebody figured this out like he actually released an exclusive track in 2k uh, in one of those scenes that mm-hmm. nobody had ever heard before so somebody somebody realized that which was really cool so um but yeah getting to work with him again we talk about why do we i think you asked me this question when we we're in vegas which is how do you come about cover athletes and my answer to that was sto- like storyline like yeah do they play into what the story we're trying to tell and devin does right well so does j cole um he obviously like his experience in the euro league and his love for basketball and um you know he all of his pursuits right now like all of that plays into like this was the time to bring him into the fold so and it was i mean the the, um, what do you call it? The response to that cover was unbelievable. Just extraordinary. Um, so super excited to see that that went, went really well and it, it isn't as big of a stretch. I remember the day before we put out a tease saying, who do you think is going to be on the final 2K cover? And everybody's like, wait, the game comes out in two weeks. How is there another cover? And everybody guessed a basketball player. But then when it mm-hmm. came out at first, everybody's like, wait, what? And then I was like, oh, wait, actually, that makes it a of sense and i don't think we could have done that like five to ten years ago and it would have made sense now it definitely does so really cool
3: i mean and the, first of all the soundtrack this year is kick-ass but the soundtrack's a big part of the game so a musician being part of the fold makes sense to me
0: well just like how where we sit in music period like all these artists that play uh, that play and provide feedback to the game we threw a um, launch event um in la a couple weeks ago Shoot, it was two weeks ago today wow it feels like it's been a month um and wayne performed and you know sway lee soldier boy uh e40 uh there were so many big names in music both old school and new school mm-hmm. um for uh, chris brown all, all those guys that were there um are real fans of 2k and it was it was important for their brand to be at our launch event and i think that's that's really telling us a story about how we mean so much to the, to the music game now. And for sure. Yeah. I think that's great.
3: Um, Okay. A couple more as quick as you like. Um, I know that 2k golf, um, what's the official title for it?
0: Uh, PGA tour 2k 23. This is a new
3: uh, venture for you guys, right?
0: No, we had a PGA tour 2k 21. Um, uh, it's bi biannual, so uh, oh, okay. produced, That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yep, it w- That was our first golf game, and it was critically acclaimed, like super fun. If you haven't played it, definitely check it out. Uh, we haven't announced much about uh 2K23, um, but it is uh I played it. It's super fun, totally next level. Like um, I cannot wait for people to get their hands on that. Um, launches uh in the middle of October. Um, so, uh, yeah, people are going to really, really enjoy that one. All right. And um, of course you can, you can play Michael Jordan in it too. Yeah. Yeah, you can Michael Jordan, um, golfer. How's your golf game? Uh, terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, to, be on, to be honest, I, I, so like, I think, you know, my background, like I was going to go to law school and dropped out. Uh, so I figured like I'd always have to learn like, and so I didn't want to like pay for lessons or anything. <laughs> yeah. So like. I never learned. And then for a long time, I just never learned. I, and then finally, a few years ago, I went to golf for the first time. And like, you would think a, a man of my size and torque, um, mm-hmm. I don't know if people are described in torque, but anyway, uh, like, um, would be really good. And I was really terrible. And I hate, I hate things that I'm bad at. Like I don't do like I, if I'm bad at it, I give up immediately. Just like I'm over it. So, not <laughs> the sport. Not the sport for me. I, somebody would have to have a tremendous amount of patience to teach me golf. Sounds like it.
3: Um, this is independent of what you were just saying. But if you haven't seen the video of Mike Trout hitting a golf ball, it's like it's life changing. I really recommend that. Video. I mean,
0: that guy is a transcendent baseball player. So I'm assuming golf. See, but I don't think it crosses over. Like I feel like when I go swing a golf club, and again, I haven't done it a lot, but it turns into a baseball swing. Not because I used to play baseball. So. Might be
3: I have a slice because I lift. I'm so like eager to see if I hit the ball that I lift my head. So I have oh, a slice. Yeah, uh,
2: there seems to be some kind of overlap with basketball players, though, because so many of them are actually yeah. pretty good, pretty fast.
0: Totally, and, and it's that's- a it's a big subculture. You know, like as we've you know released those two games, the past you know PGA Tour PGA Two K Tour. Oh, sorry. EGA 21. Tour 2K21, I'm gonna get that out Um, there was so much just enthusiasm from the basketball players that play NBA 2K, right? Like they were like, oh my god, a golf game. Um there definitely is a lot of crossover, and I'm I I, I can't wait to like work with some of the NBA f- players on the on the golf title. I think that's definitely makes sense.
3: Cool. Yeah, I mean I, I think we can thank Jordan for that too, is really setting the golf culture in the NBA. Totally. Right. If if people are listening and for whatever reason are still on the fence about buying nba 2k 23 ronnie 2k give us your 30 second elevator pitch for nba 2k 23 as our last
0: question uh it is the game that serves so many basketball subcultures you know you, you can be into um fashion music uh historical basketball with the jordan challenges and stepping into eras um you can be in the new new age and you can play like open world rpg style in the city you can live the life of a basketball player in my career, really it's the basketball game that serves so many people and brings so much joy and happiness to um a huge player base and um really exciting um that you know we get to put out this product every year and it brings so much happiness to so many players and i do got to give also a special shout out to our um development team i mean it's amazing that every year you know we push the envelope this is our greatest one yet i can't wait to see where they go next but it's a labor of love like hundreds of guys that work on this game i'm just a small cog in it i i'm so blessed to represent um both a, a great you know set of um people innovators and uh you know um a great company i'm just very lucky to do that and um onward and upward I guess
3: (laughs) all right well you heard it here first if you're an NBA player and you want your score to go up gotta put in the time um or just
0: complain to me or just complain to Ronnie
3: um if you like golf we got they've got the game for you if you like fashion basketball music etc they got the game for you and um Ronnie if Jason Tatum happens to be the NBA 2K24 cover athlete, uh-huh. I think a cutscene where he comes on the Celtics Lab podcast would really get the people going. So just something to keep in mind.
0: I'll keep it in mind. Yeah,
3: uh, Brody 2K. Thank you as always. Pleasures all on the side of the screen and um, good luck with your wedding, dude. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Um, T minus. Wow, like seventeen days.
2: What? You're getting wow. nothing done. Just admit it no I mean like this is my
0: third podcast in as many hours um, I just I gotta keep working and then I'm gonna try my best to shut off we're gonna see how good that is part of being a content creator my role is it's very very hard to switch off I've gotten DMs from like 75 NBA players while we've been on this call so uh, gotta get back to work but thank you guys for the time thank you very very much it's catch right. you later, man
2: take care